This year is the fifth annual Philadelphia Podcast Festival, and I could not be happier to be bringing Everything Is Awesome back for the second year in a row. That's right, Everything Is Awesome Late Night comes back to the Philadelphia Podcast Fest at Tattooed Moms on Sunday, July 16th from 2 to 3 p.m., and it's going to be so much fun. We have Noah Houlihan on hand to talk about Plus Two Comedy, Game the Gamer. We have Brian Durkin to bring the funny. He's going to tell some jokes. We're going to talk podcasting, full belly laughs, and much, much more. Mike and I will be on hand to talk many things, play games. It's going to be just so much fun. Make sure you make your way out to the 5th Annual Philadelphia Podcast Festival, especially from 2 to 3 at Tattooed Moms, so you can see Everything is Awesome Late Night Live. Everything is Awesome is part of Courts and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, movie, and geek podcasts. Check out some of our other shows, like TV Ain't My Brain, Let's Chat with Revelin' Friends, and Podstalgic at courtsandparts.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kevin. This is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And I, at the time of this recording, I have no idea where we're at in this, in the middle of this insane project for trying to talk to every Philadelphia podcaster. That's part of the podcast best. Uh, but we're probably in the middle of a two to three episode uh, a week release. Uh, and, uh, I know that at, at the time of this recording, I'm not prepared for the podcast festival, but we'll see if, uh, this week's guest is, uh, during the course of our conversation this week, um, is, I, and I'm not sure, uh, the podcast fest is the first time I've heard of this podcast and, uh, this podcaster. I'm interested to see as I talk to these, um, podcasts, uh, if, if like the ratio of newbies to you just found out about the podcast best. So, uh, please welcome to the show, uh, the host of Victims and Villains, Josh Berkey. Yes. What's up? All right. Hey, thanks for doing the show, man. Anytime, man. Um, so, uh, generally, um, there's no real format to the show. There's lots of tangents, uh, that, that usually happen. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to actually kind of keep it reined in for these like podcast festival ones, um, because I have a deep interest in podcasting. I've been doing it. Uh, I don't know when this is airing, but um, I, I looked back at my records, and July first, two thousand and seven, was the very first published podcast I ever did. So uh, right about now is my ten year mark as, as far as recording goes. Um, so I'm interested in like, I'm real big into podcasting. So I'm interested in like the history of other people when they, when they got into podcasting. So, so where did podcasting originate for you? Like how long you've been doing it? Um, and, and where did that love of wanting to host one start? So I got into podcasting last year and I went through a pretty tough season of, uh, some, minor depression and anger and really learning kind of how to be me and who I'm designed to be and I started listening to this podcast called the Suicide Squadcast 
and I was just listening to it, and I was like, these guys just sound like they have so much fun. Mm-hmm. And so what I started doing was I was in a season, like I said, I was trying to be the best me that I could possibly be, and um, I don't know what you believe or whatever have you, but I was kind of getting back into my faith and really turning to God and saying, all right, you know, well, what what do you want from me? And I kind of started praying about you know doing a podcast as crazy as that might sound to some of you listeners uh but i ended up doing one with a buddy of mine and i convinced him to do it i was like just do one with me you don't have to if if you don't like it we'll we'll bury it that'll be it and so he's like all right so we got we got done talking and we just talked we we got together over skype talked about uh nerd things and just kind of like news that was happening around that time and he got done and was like this sounds this is gonna I, I just I love doing this let's let's keep keep it going and uh, about January this year he kind of stepped down from doing it like still does it on occasion uh, but life got a little bit too crazy for him and we had another co-host at another point that kind of came in around April or August of last year and he's been doing more of his music career, so he's been kind of stepping down from it as well. So what was that? Was the, so was that, um, that Suicide Squad podcast? Uh, what was that? Your first like podcast you started listening to, or was have you been um, listening to other podcasts before that? Or I had been listening to podcasts for for a while, and I remember kind of when podcasts were starting to become a thing. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, kudos to to you for ten years. I mean, that's that's, that's impressive dedication right there. That's that's pretty much. I mean, I want I want to say the podcasting game has been around for about eleven to twelve years. Yeah. Uh, as far as like what we know as a podcast by name, you know, it's I, you know what they used to call them back in the day. Like I guess before, you know, like uh, Ricky Gervais uh, or whatever. I think he was one of the guys that kind of put podcasting on the map with his show. But um, before they called it a podcast, it was called a webcast. So, like, all the radio stations, like, even, like, back, like, 12, 13 years ago, like, Kid Chris and um, uh, some of the other, like, Matt and Huggy and some of the other Philly guys, they would put clips of their shows up online and, and sometimes the full show without commercials. So, it would be – it's always been around to some degree, but podcasting is by name, I think, is about 11 to 12 years. And, uh, yeah, 10 years doing it, uh, is, let's just say I found, um, the creative, uh, fulfillment about a year and a half ago when I started this show. So it took a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd imagine that's the way it was with us for the first about six months. We just kind of got together didn't really know what we were doing, kind of learned along the ways and going back and listening to your first episodes. It's like, it's like watching a bad bad movie <laughs> and and ironically enough like our, our our first episode is like i think within the top 10 viewed episodes on our itunes account which is kind of makes me like sad at the same time but it's kind of like well that's it's cool that people are going back and 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 you know going back and listening to but six months into our identity we actually um we kind of started questioning, you know, what's the point of doing this podcast if you're not going to do anything that's going to, you know, draw attention to yourself. There's, uh, there's so much podcast. There's so much, there's a podcast literally out there for like everything. Mm-hmm. And 
we wanted to do something that we hadn't seen yet, or that we had at least not had to come across. And so we we took we reformatted our show to uh, to connect and educate people. And so what we started doing was we actually started taking our um, taking taking you know that whole you know feedback of like oh well this these are the things that are happening in the world of 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 you know comics and film and, and video games and TV but we did it with a purpose of raising awareness of suicide and and educating people on the the statistics of reality of suicide and depression and you know sexual assaults and addiction and just things like that and that was really the the heart the more that we got into doing that the more that we said you know look we want to step back and we want we want to connect people because all three of us we've we've struggled with addiction or suicide or depression and we we believe and we know that the breakthrough is possible let's get that let's get it for those people out there that are are listening to this well, and, I, and so, I mean, there's, um, I, I don't know how other podcast listeners are. Me, myself, I tend to be completist. So, like, if I start listening to a new show, depending on the format of the show, I might start, like, just at an episode that's current and then move back to episode one. Or some shows I just, I'm like, you know what, I think I, I, I think I'm going to be in all in for this one, so I'll start at episode one. So, it's, it's odd how important that first episode actually ends up being, but... Um, it's also, I think a podcast audience now, like we, because it's been around for, for, I mean, it's still in its infancy, you know, but it's been around long enough that I think people, and there's so many of them that people understand that, um, in the beginning especially the first, you know, handful of episodes, it's a big learning process, especially like if this is your first experience producing a show and putting it together and, and getting all the equipment put together and how you're going to figure it out. Is it, I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm 10 years in and I'm still kind of learning how to do certain things the right way. So it's always kind of a learning process. And I think, I think the audience knows that now. Yeah. And it's, it's cool because like you can, you can, you can gradually hear the, the quality of the show getting better. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just recently celebrated 52 episodes. Um, oh, nice! And April, we're getting ready to put out uh, episode 61 as of this recording. So, okay, cool. Um, so, so you guys have been around for a little over a year, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you guys started uh, then before the podcast fest last year. Did you guys know about the podcast fest last year, or um, just no clue about it? I didn't know about it until like July. Uh, one of the one of the festivals, one of the entries into the festival last year. I can't even remember their name right now. I think it's. Uh, I want to say it's Superhero Speak. I was listening okay. to those guys, and they had announced it. And at that point, I was like, "All right, well, I'm pretty sure that if they're advertising it now, that submissions mm-hmm. are closed for it." And I happened to come across an article on twitter one day this year and they were like submissions are due and they were due that day of and i was like oh, all right wow. all right well you know if 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 it's you know if it's in the cards for us you know if it's in the will it'll it'll happen and mm-hmm. sure enough we got an email and i was like man this is like awesome 
Well, I know, and like so, Nate and Tegan, who are great, they they've been running the Philadelphia Podcasting Society and the Philadelphia Podcast Festival for the last you know five years. Well, I know the fest for five years. I, I don't know when the society formed, but um, I've you know I've been chatting with them since last year because this as much as I, so I you know I, I've been doing podcasts for ten years, and we used to do live shows back way back in the day. Um, but the community uh, was for podcasting, especially in, like local community, wasn't very large uh, up until probably about um, two or three years ago, I would say, because um, I know I had a buddy who did a podcast during the very first podcast fest and it, it was very low attendance. But again, learning curves that, that Nathan and Tegan had to go through to put together something and it's been progressing each year and, and more and more shows are finding out about it. I think more and more shows are starting to become, um, you know, start up here in the Philly area or the, or the, you know, the suburbs and whatnot. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, they, their goal, I, I don't know if their goal is necessarily, you know, um, quality control, uh, because they always say that they put like the, everything's on us as podcasters to get our audience out there, which is probably true of like, even the big names that have, you know, that are part of other festivals. But one thing that I really like about the Philly Podcast Fest compared to, like, the DC Podcast Fest and, and um, I think the Chicago one I've looked at recently and the New York Podcast Fest is that they all charge a ticket price. Uh, this is the first year that Philadelphia Podcast Fest is charged, and they're only charging for certain shows. So that's, that's one of the things I like about the Podcast Fest is that their idea, at least the way I it comes across to me, is that their idea is just to get as many shows together as possible to kind of show that Philadelphia is a really good Philadelphia podcasting market. Um, and uh, so so it's really exciting that, like, that, you know, we got 55 plus shows this year. It's insane how big it is this year. That's awesome. Um, and it's great. So, and, and so you're one of the newbies, which was where I was last year with it. And, um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I would say, you know, I, I don't, there's, I know some shows aren't returning to the podcast fest. So the, I, it seems like there's a 50, 50 split roughly of like newbies and, um, and guys who's done it at least a year, you know, one year, if not more. Uh, so have you guys thought and that you got i'm assuming so because you guys already have evolved your show once which i think is always a good thing to do you know even if it doesn't necessarily mean you know switching up format sometimes it does and probably in most cases it does but kind of like evolving your show to to um, be new and different and fresh all the time is something that you have to do uh to to kind of either you know keep your audience or grow your audience have you guys thought about what you're doing for the live show and how you're going to kind of to make it um, stand out different than your pre-recorded shows? So we we've done live events before, actually. Um, okay. And usually for live events, it we we vary on what we're gonna do. Um, so we've done everything from you know speaking in churches and and using biblical knowledge and bringing it into the whole thing with uh you know teaching people about you know what 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 hope is and 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 what necessarily you know what we do kind of thing and then we've also done we did a 
comic convention in Allentown this year where we did a panel and uh, the the theme of the uh, convention was 1987. So what we ended up doing was we ended up uh, we found a New York Times article that was about four teenagers who had committed this suicide, this mass suicide in a parking garage, and we had kind of talked about how the effects of that had kind of played on you know this small community and like the effects that this tragedy kind of brought out and you know it was it was all this you know people were starting to you know take mental health more seriously after that and um we kind of talked about how you know mental health is it's a serious thing and so right now for the podcast festival we have been we we have we have ideas that we want to do um and we've reached out to a couple of groups that we want to do the to do the show with us um to kind of put the spotlight on what they do that are, they're also in the same arena of you know mental health awareness of what we do and the, the hope and the connections and the education and we just haven't unfortunately like had anything back yet mm-hmm. um so it's still like in the planning process right now which is kind of bad because <laughs> we're like a month away from that but we're like you know if if all else comes to fail like we'll do what we always do you know we get up and we've done everything from you know speaking at punk rock shows to speaking at conventions or you know doing one-on-one things with you know people in malls so on and so forth so well you know don't don't feel bad about not having it prepped yet i mean i have maybe half my show prepped and that's only because someone contacted me and said hey i want to be your stand-up comedian for the night. I was like, oh, okay, great. So I didn't even do anything for the show yet uh, to, to prep myself. And I, it, as I've done uh, more and more of these live shows, I've become very comfortable uh, in, in kind of putting it off because I'm a huge procrastinator anyway. Uh, so it's... But you, I think the... The art of podcasting, and you guys have, you know, already kind of hit all your major milestones that you kind of need to hit to, to like, uh, know that you're going to be in it for the long haul, because not many podcasts hit 10 episodes, and then out of those ones that do, not many hit 50, so, so you guys, like, are really it's at the point where like it's just when it becomes boring for you is, is, is when you're, you're probably going to want to stop, um, but it sounds like you guys, you know, are finding cool ways to keep it interesting. And that's, that's, you know, the live shows are great for that. And I think what makes podcasting so great is that we have to, you know, kind of think of our, on our toes sometimes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that kind of, you know, makes, makes your live show or whatever. I think it gives it, um, it makes it a little bit more special when you have to think on your toes a little bit. Yeah, and a, a portion of our show is 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 constant uh, reinvention almost because a portion of what we do is we bring on guests. So we've had everyone from like you know independent filmmakers to independent comic makers, uh, musicians. Um, we've had a couple of YouTube personalities come on. Uh, we just had uh, an animator from uh, Land Before Time and Space Jam on last week. We also had awesome. a local uh you know lgbt advocate so we've we've done so many different things and that's that's constant so when we're booking for guests for the regular show it's always kind of like all right well how's you know we we never want to book you know two comic creators on the the same show because you know that's 
the same field. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's do you know in, uh, creator and uh, YouTube personality. Let's do let's do music or you know. But then when we first started getting into podcasting, it was all like we would always bring on musicians, and it was always like, well, let's let's try to get away from you know doing musicians. And now we're trying to we've we've become so we're I don't want to say big, but we've uh, we've made a name for ourselves among. We're starting to make a name for ourselves among the independent comic community, and so now it's like, all right, well, let's let's try and make a name for ourselves in the independent, you know, um, film scene as well, and and independent video game scene. So it's really been around there because not with all of those, you know, bringing all those in, they're bringing in their audience to your show, and those are people that have probably never heard of our show, which is awesome because in hearing of our show, you just you never get to it's always like all right well what's this show about yeah i'm gonna listen to it because i know you know this person and oh this is a suicide awareness i know someone who might be struggling with this let me pass this on to them let me let me get them this information it's um yeah i mean you guys are uh out of all the shows i've ever done uh and actually uh, most of the shows that i know about and listen to uh, you guys are sound like you're the only ones that actually have like kind of like a, a good mission behind it uh, where you're out there actually trying to help people instead of us you know like me just being uh, let me just make random jokes or just talk to somebody they, there's no mission behind this except that I just like to talk to people and it makes me feel good um, uh, <laughs> that that's the only mission but it's okay because you have the mean girls. You have a Mean Girl sound clip in your theme song, so it's all good. <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, I'll tell you, it's it's when I put that theme song together, um, I uh, I was like, I, I don't. I did the clips because I, I just I didn't feel like paying anyone to do a theme song for us. Uh, I wasn't really ready for it, and that has. I've had people come and tell me like sometimes I just I listen to your show and I'll rewind the intro like five to ten times just as I love your intro which is like a little happy accident that, that happened with this show uh, I took kind of because like, it took a long time to find those clips that, that all had the word awesome in it or were like a big dialogue of awesome Oh, I, I believe you because our, our show does something similar. Uh, a friend of mine from Oklahoma had put together a like had like unused tracks from mm-hmm. bands, and he was like, "You guys can use these if you want for you know because you know supporting what you guys do." And so we found this one clip that's like a little bit of a slower song, and our show's all about hope for the suicidal. So we went through pop culture and like we we found just random clips from like. Uh, you know, we, we have two X-Files clips. We have a clip of uh, speaking, doing a live event. Um, we have a clip from The Flash and Man of Steel that all have, you know, they all have something to do with the word hope. And ours isn't as long as yours, but, like, <laughs> doing, like, uh, I think ours is, like, 30 seconds to maybe 40 seconds but it yeah. still took like a good hour and a half to like yeah. get it everything paced right and get like all the balancing act just right so uh, you uh you mentioned the flash uh i'm assuming we're talking about the cw's flash yes oh my god so that well that show is just full of hope i the fact what's weird though is i feel like you're contradicting yourself when you talk about man of steel because that is just a terrible movie <laughs> 
<laughs> See, you say that, but I am a DC advocate. I love DC Comics, and we actually just get, got ready to, again, don't know when this is going up, but um, if any of your listeners do like DC Comics and want to know, want to be educated a little bit more in the field of suicide prevention, uh, we just launched a second and third show, one of, our, one of them being all about DC Comics. I have no problem with DC Comics. I have I I I, I mean I I grew up as more of a Marvel kid and then you know obviously took the the break that most boys take when they think they're too cool for comics and then got back into it around you know 06 07 um and then you know I'm back to you know I have kids now so now it's it, it I my money goes elsewhere uh but I did get into in my adult life I got back into you know DC uh a little bit and um so I have no problem with DC comics I have problem with the Zack Snyder stuff uh it's it's um up until Wonder Woman, I was real worried about the DCEU uh, in the movies. I mean, to each their own. Like, I I loved the optimism, but I also loved their... I'm not sure if you watch documentaries or not. There was a great documentary that came out a couple years ago called uh, The Death of Superman. The Death of Superman, What Happens? Or The Death of Superman Lives, What Happens? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've watched the whole... Watch that whole thing. I I may have. I know I, I watched a good chunk of it because Kevin Smith was talking about it and that he brought it to my attention. And they 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 did like they kind of go through like the entire process of like you know conception to death, and one of the a lot of the like the elements from it like Zack Snyder actually sees you can see in the Zack Snyder Man mm. of Steel, and see, I'm a guy that like I just. I've I enjoy I've enjoyed all most of Zack Snyder's films. Like there have been a couple that I won't I don't like, but as far as like, you know, the DCEU films, I'm I'm all for it. The um Man of Steel is one that I it seems like there is a good split on, you know, from people that I talk to, uh much more so than Batman versus Superman. Uh that seems to be generally panned for being awful. But I'll tell you what, I, I finally saw... That movie, Batman vs. Superman, is a movie that, by title, I should be seeing in the theater right away, no questions asked. And the trailer did so much disservice to that movie because uh, I ended up watching it on HBO a couple weeks ago with zero expectations. It was more so I put it on. I was like, eh, I don't feel well. I'll put this on. I'll fall asleep. All will be well. And I stayed, I, it, it had my attention. I'm not saying it's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination because I, I don't think it is personally Batman versus Superman. I think it has good parts. I think that, uh, we, we got a good Batman out of that movie. We got a good wonder woman out of that movie. We had some, a couple good scenes, but overall it was just all over the place. This uh, is the, the anytime that that conversation happens, I'm always like, "Did you see the original version or the ultimate version?" And and that's something that um, recently, I've as I've been talking about it with people, they asked me if I if I saw the the theater version, and that's what I I think HBO is showing the theater version um, because it's uh, it's HBO. I don't think they're showing the director's cut or whatever. I've heard that the extended cut is like a hundred times better. It is it because and when you watch when you when you like because. I loved the movie, and I saw the movie in theaters five times. Oh my god, dude! I loved it. Like I, I'm just, I, I loved it, and, and <laughs> I'm, 
I'm not ashamed to say that. I can't believe there's an audience for that movie. Like it is, I, you know. It's but you're right. So each their own. Like there is, like there are, like I mean, Kevin Smith. You know, I don't know if you listen to any of his podcast, but he's a huge. You know, I, I, he's he has said that the movie's not great, but he's also a big fan of that movie. Like he'd rather have a crappy comic book movie than no movie at all. And I totally get that. And and I try to watch anything with everything with like super positive eyes. Um, and like I said, I, I, when I was done watching that movie, like my expectations were so low that it wasn't terrible. Like I would probably, if I passed it again on TV, I might stay and hang out and watch it for a little bit. But the, the director's cut compared to the theatrical version, it's Mm. weird because just the, just the spots that they edit it, they just, they don't make any sense like at all. And when you see the, the theatrical version, and then you go back and immediately watch or like say one week you watch the theatrical version and then the following week mm. or like you know five or seven days later you go back and watch the ultimate version you're like why did these cuts made like these are the dumbest edits in history and it's they I think they got more money hungry for that film than actual storytelling because yeah when when the edits were done and the story feels more complete like the, all the little they edit like 15 seconds here 30 seconds here but when you do that it really takes away from your story and that's why like that's why the whole you know like Lex Luthor you know twist and his whole plan like it doesn't make sense you're like alright well I'm, I'm, I guess I'm piecing that together with this and that this and that and then, but when you watch it in the, the director's cut it makes so much more sense like you can see clearly alright well this is where this happened this is where this happened this is where this happened yeah I'll have to I'll have to watch that director's cut because you're probably like the fifth person that said go watch that because it, it is better It's but like I said for me like, I, like seeing Wonder Woman was uh it, it it breathed good they needed that movie to be critically accepted because the DCEU even like every trailer i would say every trailer save for batman versus superman has actually been a good trailer for all their movies and i've just for me being not a huge fan of that universe right now um i i feel like i was suckered every single time so when i when the wonder woman trailer hits um, it, you know, it reminds me of Captain America First Avenger because it's a period piece and, and uh, I was I was excited for it, but I was like, I don't know if I can see this movie. Like, I've been burned so many times. Um, and, you know, I, I had to go see it because of, of, you know, I think what it means to cinema in general. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just that I feel like they should be building that universe off of the, the back of that movie. Have you seen Wonder Woman yet? Yeah, yeah, my wife and I actually saw it last week, and she said the same thing. Like, we went down, and I spoke at a church in Norfolk uh, the the Saturday before we went to go see it, and we all went out to dinner afterwards, and everyone's like, have you seen Wonder Woman yet? Have you seen Wonder Woman? Because I ended up actually preaching on Wonder Woman, and everyone was like, I was like, I haven't. We're going to see it this Monday, and... My wife has like is exactly like you are and saying, you know, well, I have low expectations for these things, so I'm just going to walk in with it. And she walked out of that movie. She went in with low expectations, didn't watch any of the trailers, mm-hmm. except like, you know, if they would play them on like, you know, Hulu or yeah. um, 
you know, Facebook or YouTube, whatever have you, she wouldn't go out of her way to watch them. She would just happen to see them. And she ended up really, really loving it. And I think that... I think, again, they learned a lot from Batman v Superman because the second trailer that you had for it, you had Doomsday. This one, you have, obviously, spoiler alert, doesn't really give away too much, but you have Ares. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Wonder Woman, in order to have a Wonder Woman movie be successful, you have to either have Ares or you have to have Cheetah. Like, those are her two biggest nemesis. And they ironically pulled out, like, an older villain is um, Dr. Dr. Poison. Poison. Yeah, Dr. Poison was actually uh, one of her older ones. So when you do a period piece about... The 40s, obviously, if you're going to do something about, you know, World War One, well, I guess 1918 was the year. If you're going to do something about that, you have to do Ares. It only makes sense. And she walked out, loved it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we we. Uh, I think I just posted today, but it was supposed to be last week's um, episode, at least as of this recording. And um, it, w- I sat down and and talked to my buddy uh, Garrett Smith, who who does a, he's a big movie guy, big movie buff, um, and he's been like for years now, kind of preaching that we need more of this. We need more, you know, women leading movies, whether they're comedies or action or whatever. So he was one of the guys I wanted to talk to. Um, and then there's um, this actress out in uh, L.A., Casey Spivey, who I had on previously, and we just went on a kind of a tangent about you know women being represented in hollywood and whatnot and uh so so i sat down and talked to both of them and um it's interesting because as much as i love this film and and i don't know what happened i don't know if it was when my when my son was was born or right around when he was you know in in utero at least uh but around that time like about five five to six years ago i started getting real emotional at movies uh so like there's there's and and like so, so Chasing Amy is a movie that I always cry at, no matter what. For like as long as I can remember, I've always cried. But that was like one of the few. Uh, that or any movie that has like an animal that gets hurt, like they were the only movies that would ever affect me that way. But I want to say the first non-animal movie uh, or chasing non-Chasing Amy movie to affect me, and it sounds so dopey, and, and I it, it is. It's it's a hundred percent dopey. But it was the Muppet movie with uh, Jason Segel that Kermit has some some speech that's like I don't know really uplifting and like it literally brought me to tears to which my fiance made fun of me appropriately uh, and but there, but there's a lot of movies usually get me that way now and it was strange because Wonder Woman I didn't walk out of uh, uh, like feeling I didn't have that kind of emotion it, it didn't um, it, I loved the movie. I, like, it has nothing to do with the fact that I didn't like the movie at all. And I was talking to Casey uh, Spivey about it, and it was interesting because we were talking about how, you know, she's never connected to a super movie, a superhero movie that way before, where like she saw Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, and like you know she liked it, she loved it, but didn't connect to it to the way where I did, and where I like I wept at the fact that in the first one, you know, Peter's mom is dying, and in the second, I don't know, have you seen the second Guardians movie? Oh yeah, we saw it twice in theaters. So you know, I I wept, and these are all spoilers. I, my fans should probably know this, or my listeners. I don't want to call them fans. <laughs> that makes me sound like a huge dick. Uh, my listeners, they probably they should know by now. This is just going to be all spoilers. But spoilers um, for any new listeners. Uh, 
the you know guardians like the whole um thing about his dad and and it really you know at the end when yandu is you know kicks it um and that speech that he kind of has at the end saying that you know you, you don't know what you have until it's too late or whatever like that get like that got me that made me crying and 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 you know it's interesting that the that these movies like we needed wonder woman because we needed something for our you know for for women in general and for you know me someone who i also have a daughter like for the future generation for my daughter to have a movie to like to like emotionally connect to the way i do to guardians you know yeah yeah for sure and i i'm right there with you like i i've always been it's it's weird because like i've since my wife and i have been together for probably about five years now and she's like we're like totally opposite when it comes to movies Mm -hmm. so like finding a a movie for us to like watch is like really hard yeah yeah i get that and um i've always been like the guy that like i love like chick flicks and like but yet at the same time like i can do like i've been working my way through the original nightmare on elm street okay. uh, series so like my top five holds everything from you know like mean girls to you know new nightmare and uh batman forever as much as people give me crap about that what <laughs> dude 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 i i grew up on on that movie and so for me, it's not only nostalgic, but I've also the novelization by Peter David mm-hmm. um, actually features the original. Most people didn't know. Most people look at that film for what it is, and they're like, "Well, that one and Batman and Robin, pure garbage." I'll give you Batman and Robin. I can still watch it. <laughs> I um, but Batman Forever was just one that that I looked at, and I just the way that their take on Bruce Wayne in that film with the psychology of, of Two-Face and, and him connecting to Dick was very psychological and that's the way that I've always looked at it and the original take for the film was actually a lot darker and it was actually a lot longer most people don't know that uh, they cut about 45 minutes of the film and mm-hmm. the they, the original version of the film which if you get on Amazon you can actually get a novelization shipping and all for like probably like four bucks oh wow four or five bucks um, yeah. Peter David I highly recommend that but it's it's an original take on what the original script looked like and the original script was darker it developed the Bruce Wayne and explained a little bit more about why Edward Nigma was so fascinated with the Bruce Wayne character mm-hmm. because he's just like in the beginning you're like oh this guy you know he's just he's just a fanboy but he has a purpose for why he is a fanboy that's intriguing i've because i i uh you you probably sound like you're about like in your mid to mid 20s or so if i had to guess yeah. um so so we have i get i'm 30 i'll be 33 this year so we have you know almost a generation i guess or half a generation between us, I have never ever heard anyone say that Batman Forever was a, was one of their favorite movies. Um, I love I love that generation of of Batman movies. As far as I'll watch all four of them, and I enjoy because I mean I was when Batman Batman Forever came out, I was probably about ten to twelve years old, somewhere in that range. Um, 
and uh, I I enjoyed it as a kid. That that movie was marketed to kids with all the, the you know the bright lights and and flashiness and whatnot. Right. Um, unlike the the Tim Burton movies, I would never say that they were like I would I would my my son who's five and I probably saw that movie when I was about not much older six or seven the original Batman uh, from nineteen eighty nine. Uh, my son would, would be so scared of that movie, uh, 100% scared of that movie, because they are, you know, I mean, not compared to Nolan, but, you know, for its time is a dark movie. And, and I think a dark movie even today for, for anyone under the age of probably like 10 years old. Um, but so so I do like I, I in fact I might even own all four of them on DVD uh, or Blu-ray or whatever. I, I enjoy them for what they are. Never would say favorite movie. Uh, but but Keaton is my favorite Batman. Like he's my Batman. Who would you call your Batman? I I would say probably. Oh, that's a tough one. I would probably say Michael Keaton just because I enjoyed his take on mm-hmm. it. Um, but I'm like I'm still like being. Per, like you know particular to Batman Forever like it's like it's always a tie depending on my mood because I'm always like well it could be Keaton it could be Kilmer like I, I liked Kilmer's take that's on such it. an interesting um an interesting because like a lot everyone I've talked to like uh, that kind of the dances between Gen Xer and uh, Millennial um and, and somewhere in that range it's either like Keaton or Bale like I don't think not many people say Kilmer or Clooney I don't think anyone says Clooney um but and, and you know what I and I'll agree that I don't think Kilmer was a bad Batman like I've seeing it as an adult like I, the problem with that movie is not the like the acting really like it's it's Schumacher he's he's the problem well, the reason that it turned out the way that it did versus the way that it was originally intended for was because of the dark themes and the darkness, and the you know, the color palette, obviously, of Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, I think they had too many children say, or too much parents say, you know, this movie is scary. You, you couldn't you market it as well. So if, you know, you have stuff that's, you know, bright and neon and 90s, the way that those movies were you can market it better. So I think that they did that again. I think that's again, going back to that whole Batman V Superman argument. It's sacrificing, you know, quality for, for money. Yeah. Really. Oh, and absolutely. Like, I'm, I want to say that there was a, a, like one of the issues was that like they couldn't sell, they couldn't make McDonald's toys uh, for Batman returns. And that I think was because of they couldn't market toys was the whole reason for that shift. Um, and, and that was either something that like I just heard on one of the Kevin Smith podcasts, or it's something that may even be in now it's not in that documentary, but it's in, it's in something. It, I've definitely heard that. Like, I don't like non Kevin Smith world. I've heard that somewhere before in some sort of Batman documentary. Um, so it's, but yeah, I, uh, it's, um, those Batmans have a special, you know, place in my heart. Much like the '66 Batman, which you know, like, how'd you, did you, did you ever watch the '66 Batman when as a kid, like on reruns? I did. I, I grew up and I loved it. And then I hit like, then I hit 13, and I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> I um, I've actually never said that that was. I mean, I, I guess I always kind of like understood the um. 
the campiness of it and like like for what it was i always appreciated it uh and i actually like i haven't seen it in years and and with the you know we're recording this a day after adam west passing yeah i think yeah he passed away yesterday no he passed on saturday Saturday. so this would have been two days after yes so um but mere days after adam west passing like it does make me want to go back and rewatch those those uh some of those uh, episodes because it was like I would say even more so than the Tim Burton stuff because as a five year old my dad could sit me down and watch you know Adam West Batman versus Tim Burton Batman yeah and I mean it, it had like so much lighthearted themes and not even I think I was just talking about this with someone today that like Adam West yes to our parents he was Batman but I think to uh, to our generations you know you saying that we're like generation apart we're yeah like eight years eight years difference but you know whatever um you have the to to us you know he as uh, he was you know gray ghost from yeah. you know, batman yeah. the animated series he was the mayor of quahog he is the uh he was Catman and fairly odd parents like so he's he even and even he was uh the principal for pete and pete so i mean he's he's definitely been influential not in only in our parents generation but that Batman 89 film really revolutionized the way that people saw him because that's all people saw him after after the 66 Batman was Bruce Wayne yeah. Batman and he was typecast and then you know he got to do so many amazing things right after that movie yeah it's um uh, it is a shame that he's gone because he's you know he he, I, he definitely like did not embrace it for a long time but in the last like I'd say decade or so, the last ten years or so, he really started embracing like the the, the this his Batman role and, and and what his place in pop culture was, which was like he kind of just like a, a I don't want to say comedic genius, but he was really just a funny dude and just like really good at his craft. Um, and it's a shame that I mean he was working up until he passed though, because he was still doing voice work. Yeah, so it's 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 a shame, um, but uh, we ha- yeah, I mean it's 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 Batman is the one. So, what's your take on Batfleck? Are you a fan of um of, of I, ben Affleck? I loved, I loved Ben Affleck as Batman. I knew before seeing Ben Affleck as Batman that he was gonna kill it I, I, from watching him in Gone Girl. Okay, okay, yeah, I um. I uh, agree. I think uh, I was I was one of the I guess you know one of the few. There weren't many people that before Batman vs Superman came out were a fan of him as um, as Batman. But I I've just been a, you know I've watched every Kevin Smith movie. So anything he's been in with Kevin Smith, and then from there you know I've obviously obviously watched some other movies of, of Ben Affleck uh, and. Um, yeah, I mean, when they announced that, I was like, that just makes sense. Like, he, he he seems like Bruce Wayne to me, or, you know. And, like I said, to me, he was one of the best parts. Like, him and, and um, Gail uh, Godot. Gail Godot. Godot, yeah. Uh, Godot. She, they, they both were, like, the highlights of Batman vs. Superman. Uh, and it's, like, I'm so glad that there's going to be a generation of kids that say that my Batman is Ben Affleck because I think he nailed, I think he crushes it more than Bale did. Like, I think he's a much better Batman than Bale. I'll give you that. I, I think that, I think for what he was given, I think in that film, 
uh, the warehouse scene is, <laughs> I think, the the one scene that most Bat fans have been mm-hmm. like, this is the scene that I've been dying to see and I've never seen it. And, you know, that's the one thing that we wanted to see for, you know, so many years because that's the way that he has been in the comics. And so many people had so many problems with him because, you know, the whole Batman doesn't kill. Uh, but, you know, like I mean, I, I get that. Um, and, and I think I kind of let go of that because I know what universe we're in. And it's 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 um, like I a lot of my issues with Man of Steel is that like Superman broke Zod's neck. And, you know, even like Jonathan Kent, I was not a fan of how he, he was how he act like was portrayed in the film. Um, I think Kevin Costner did a great job, but I just, I wasn't a fan of, of a lot of the things in man is still and, and uh, taking it away from, from what it like, from what I know is Superman. Like I can kind of respect that film. I, it's not my, it's not my Superman. It's not what I would have done. Um, but it, it's, uh, knowing that universe, knowing that that's what, we're kind of coming from like I, you know it's we can all, we can say batman doesn't kill and and yeah i would say it's probably especially in the comics you can you can say like yeah yeah he never never kills but like i mean there's plenty of instances in the movies where he may not directly kill somebody but he is causing a lot of havoc trying to do whatever he needs to do to stop the bad guy and people are dying um so i can forgive that it's it's um like I said, we're in this we're in the Snyderverse there, so like it's just something I kind of wrote off as whatever. Yeah, and I mean, but that's just I feel like I feel like people just as as negative as it's gonna sound, like I feel like people look for things to hate in DC. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's not Marvel. I I well I remember the whole uh, back in like April that mm-hmm. you had the whole Wonder Woman shaved arm con- conflict, and it was like really this is what you consider controversy like i um see for me it's not necessarily because i because the marvel films like i obviously am a fan of the marvel films i think they the problem i have with the marvel films now is that they're so like there's a formula now so and there's so many of them there's three a year so i don't necessarily go to the theater and watch every marvel film anymore like i skipped out on ant-man i skipped out on doctor strange i waited a couple weeks to go see uh guardians um, like I would say really, and, and even like I was probably, I guess I was excited for guardians, but the, I, I would say the real, like Marvel, the, the Marvel prime, I guess we'll say like the, with all the Avengers, the Avengers, the, the first Avengers movie that I've been really excited to see in a long time is this new Thor movie. Uh, cause it just looks so crazy bananas that it's awesome. Uh, but I have not, been, I have not been excited for the last few, save for Captain America, civil war. Um, they they just uh, there's too many of them I think and and there's a formula now and you kind of know like what's going to happen ahead of time. Um, but I am a huge Marvel fan, but that's not my reason why I I have my my opinions on DC. It's I just don't think they I'm not a fan of what they're doing up until Wonder Woman, but their TV universe, which is what kind of sparked this whole conversation and tangent we've been on, the Berlantiverse is amazing. Uh, I talk about it a lot. Uh, it is hands down, I think my favorite thing on television right now. Um, when you, you talking about the whole universe as a whole, and then you know to break it down, I think the Flash and Supergirl uh, are are the two of the the best of the four that are on there. And and talk about it's all sp- this all kind of spun out from you know a b- talking about hope on your show and whatnot. And like those two shows are all about hope, in my opinion. 
I would agree with you to an extent. I I liked there are aspects of those shows that I enjoy, but I I get into like people people discredit me and disown me for this. But I'm I'm more of an Arrow guy. The the show that started it at all. I I don't disagree with that. I mean, especially this past season, it kind of returned to to where I think it should be. Um, and and my se- my problem with season four wasn't necessarily the the Felicity. <sighs> Uh, Felicity stuff. My, I, I, because I, I, I was in it. I was in it week after week, and I was like, all right, well, you know, this, it's not what it was, but it's still, you know, I still enjoy it. It was really the season finale for, for season four of Arrow was just, it was the Dark Knight Rises, really, is, is what they did. And exactly. Um, yeah. So, so, and, and, but like I said, they were able to, to come back in season five. And I think kind of returned to to where the show was at, at least at season three. Um, I I I agree with you. I think I love the entire Berlanti verse. I never want to see any one of the, any one of those shows get canceled. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's on CW. Look look where like you, you look where Supernatural is. So <laughs> yeah. I I don't think we have anywhere to go. Um, but yeah, for me, I you know I don't know why I prefer. I think I just prefer the Flash because it hits me more emotionally. Like I don't I don't really ever feel the emotions that I feel on the Flash for Arrow. Um, it, or or even Le- like Legends is more of just like a fun thing. That's like just a fun time travel romp. Uh, they don't get too invested with like, you know, the heartstrings and, and, and making you feel all the feels, but the flash I think does it the best with all the feels. And, and I think Supergirl does it a close second. Like I, I, I want to say for the first, I mean, I've cried during the flash probably at least three or four times and Supergirl, Same. Yeah. Supergirl. I cried, I think for the first time at this last season finale uh, for season two. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know. As much as I talk crap on the DC as far as their movies are concerned, I I show so much love for those TV shows. I think it's now I haven't watched Agents of Shield in forever, um, but I think I mean I guess that just says that I I I, I like the CW stuff better. Uh, I, I would say the only thing that might be better than the CW stuff is the Netflix stuff for Marvel, but that's also like a whole other league. Like I don't think they're the same things. Like it's hard to compare the two. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you have like you know the, the the tone is more consistent with those shows, and whereas the the net whereas you I feel like with you have you have more uh, more variety and you know more differences with the CW shows because you know Supergirl and Flash like you said like they're so they overflow with hope. Yeah. And, and, and brightness and then you have Arrow which is you know the, the DC uh, this DC you know Batman style yeah. the vigilante adventure darker uh, you know more grounded feel in that sense as well then you have Legends which is just this like this fun you know romp there where it's just like let's let's introduce as much you know travel to as much different time periods as we can introduce as much DC mythology as we can but then you have uh, you know, you have the Daredevils and the Punishers and the Jessica Jones and you have all of these other things, you know, Iron Fist and so on and so forth, and they're just they're like all around consistently dark. Yeah. Um, more darker toned and they, they definitely have just been consistent with that. And I think that that's the thing that Marvel has really done very well is just they 
they just have consistency in almost all their properties. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's they. I mean, reading about Wonder Woman for the last week or so, just because I, I I always like keeping up with because it's just so good. It's it's a movie I actually really want to see again. I, I want to see it with because I I will say that I walked into it with higher expectations after like reading all the reviews. Um, so like I did walk out with I don't I don't want to say disappointed, but I walked out saying that I I. I pumped myself up too much for this movie, but I still really enjoyed it. So I do want to go and see that movie without like, you know, any kind of weight on my shoulders of seeing it. But I liked, I love to read about these movies after I see them. And one of the consistent things that you can read about is that, you know, um, Marvel has a formula and, and, you know, it's obviously working. They, they make it work for them. DC was trying to do that with, with, you know, Zack Snyder kind of being involved and, and setting this grittier, tone and and i think what we saw with wonder woman is that you know you you let patty jenkins do her job and and you get a wonderful film you know don't get it in the creator's way but yeah marvel is um i mean you can't stop them now they just they know what they're doing i'm not gonna i'm still surprised that they're still under disney um i don't know how that contract all works out but i think that you know now that uh, we're getting we're a year away from the you know the the big Thanos finale you know ten years in the making like I'm still surprised that they're still under Disney and you know they're not you know their own studio by this time because they're they're big enough and they they do enough cash at the box office that they could very well be them be their own well property. I, th- I I th- I think that's Disney legitimately owns them now like they were I think. You know, uh, I think it was after Iron Man, if I remember correctly, like Disney straight up just bought Marvel Comics and Marvel Studios. Um, and that's just part of the you know, House of Mouse now. Um, I, unless, I, I think the only way Marvel leaves is if, if, if Disney sells them. I, I, I don't think they can leave any other way. I... I think so. I think you're right, but I I do remember like either reading something or hearing something about like a year or so ago where there were rumblings of you know Marvel trying to buy out by themselves uh, you know out of Disney interesting. uh to kind of stand on their own and you gotta look like they they have the power yeah. to do that like if they want to do that I mean granted I our our show deals a lot with independent comics mm. so I I read a lot more independent comics than I do, you know, mainstream comics, but they're, uh, from what I, from what I've been hearing, a lot of the, there's been a lot of praise for the DC comics was since Rebirth happened a little over a year ago, and now Marvel's, like, Marvel's pretty much been, like, sucking butt, from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't, I also, like I said earlier, I'm not, I don't read comics too often anymore, just because of the cost involved with it, and uh, I'd rather spend all my money on podcasting related things. Um, but yeah, Mar- I mean that right around, even the new 52, I mean, I only read the Batman stuff by, by Scott Snyder. Um, so it was, yeah, it was so good. And, and that's what I knew. Like they were really kind of, they, they were about to, to kind of crush Marvel when it comes to comics. And yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I'm really just kind of talking, you know, <laughs> talking out my ass because I really don't know because I don't read them anymore um, I want to and I will eventually pick I actually am, am planning on picking up some trades uh, probably next week but um, yeah it's uh, I think you're right I think Marvel like 
they the thing that like getting with Disney helped them with was getting the the cash flow to make all those movies. And now that they ha- they they generate their own money and they have a formula and and you know uh, Kevin Feige or or whatever he's really you know he's the guy that's kind of keeping that ship afloat. They could totally if they could find a way to buy themselves out, um, they would one hundred percent be able to survive on their own now. Yeah, and I think that. I think that when you look at, because you probably really have to look at, yeah, there's TV, you have animation and big screen, and then you have comic books. I think 75% of all of those properties DC wins because they put out better animated material. Yep. They put out better TV shows. Yep. They put out, uh, they put out better stories. Yeah. Um, and I think that it says a lot about the the property as a whole uh the company as a whole just uh yes they're they've been scared for for quite some time by you know the whole cinematic universe thing and you know their first out the first couple outings weren't really that impressive you know to most people um some or you know you depending on who you ask uh but i think that they're getting ready to I think Wonder Woman's a change of tide, and I think that that same hope and optimism that was so prevalent throughout that film, you can watch the Justice League trailers, and you can see that. Like, you don't... To watch a, a Justice League trailer and then to watch a Batman v Superman trailer, it almost it's it almost feels like those two films exist in different worlds. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, And I think that's something that they, you know, they consciously realized that, like, people were, were so against after seeing Batman versus Superman. And I, I, I think that was a... I think there's a shift. I think there, that they, they probably started Justice League planning it out to be in that dark, gritty world, and they realized that's just not what people want. People don't want that. And, like, really, who does? Like, I mean, I get it. It's there for... People do want it. And, and there's, there is, you know, 20%, 25% of the people out there, actually, they, they enjoyed that movie. And they enjoyed what they saw. And, you know, for... You know, and I would say that I can enjoy a movie that's dark and gritty and, and, and really enjoy it. But, like, when I go to the movies, a lot of times, for me, it's just that I want to escape the BS in the real world and have, like, an hour, two... An hour and a half, two and a half hours of just, like of fun like really like it's it's or you know even if i'm seeing a horror movie like that's you know i'm getting some sort of enjoyment out of that to where you know i'm just escaping for an hour and a half from the real life to see some crazy stuff so i think that's you know dc's probably realized that's what's happening with wonder woman that that's why why people responded so well and and even if just if justice league part one or whatever they're calling it doesn't get it completely right I think it's going to be much more hopeful than than BVS was, and I think the whole universe is going to start taking that shift. You know, immediately, whenever the next film is that's getting filmed is, is I'm sure already. You know, okay, let's Aquaman, yeah. and that like how crazy is that we're getting an Aquaman film that's probably going to be pretty good. Like I, I I'm pretty excited about that one. If you want to like read. I, the people like are talking about how like you know the big thing about Comic Con trailer last year that we got was oh 2016 is where comic or the Aquaman tra- or jokes are coming to die. It was no Aquaman tra- jokes came to die in 2011 when Jeff Johns picked up a pen and started writing Aquaman for the New 52. Like the 
the first arc for the new 52 Aquaman the Trench, it's a straight horror film. I mean, on page, it's a straight, horrifyingly dark, awesome, glorious story. Yeah, I, I've heard that when I because that, that was going to be a book I picked up when I was when I was reading uh, Batman's New Fifty Two because the New Fifty Two is what made me start reading DC because I was like, oh, this is a good place for me to like kind of jump in and and whatnot. And um, yeah, I do want to go back and read some of that Aquaman stuff because I've heard a lot of good things about about it. <clears throat> Yeah, and like, just yeah, it's it's very creature from the Black Lagoonish, brought into our world that first arc, and then that second arc, like Aquaman, you know, it it introduces new breath into the Aquaman mythology. Aquaman had a Justice League of his own, and now Black Pan, you know, Black Manta is going off and killing them one by one because you know he's trying to get revenge, and just some of the things that Jeff Johns did, like it's, um. It just it flows so beautifully, and his storytelling to that character, like Aquaman, controls seventy five percent of the planet, and yet we think, you know, we just think of him from those seventies cartoons, <laughs> yeah, or uh, you know the way Big Bang, you know, paints him, you know, Aquaman sucks water, <laughs> like. <laughs> But you read the comics, and no, he doesn't. Like he's a pretty cool character. Yeah, and I don't know how he was pre pre New Fifty Two. Um, I assume he was kind of a little bit of a joke. Uh, I mean, that's how he got that reputation, even in the seventies and whatnot. But I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm up for it because like it's you know what it's it's just like Wonder Woman was different, and just like Black Black Panther is going to be different. Like Aquaman, you know, is is going to be different. It's 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 um, and that's what I want. I just want I don't want the. It's kind of why I'm getting tired of some of the Marvel movies because it's sometimes just the same thing uh, over and over again. And and unless it's you know uh, the new Thor movie, which looks like Lethal Weapon in space with the buddy cop, <laughs> I'm so excited for for that movie. Um, that's a great way to explain yeah, it. Yeah, that's I, I, that's how I've been explaining it to people lately. I was like, how could you not love this movie? Like, I haven't even seen it yet, but it's literally going to be a buddy cop movie. It's a lethal weapon in space. It's it's. Uh, I'm so excited. I I don't know that I've been happier for. I, I haven't this been this happy for a movie since like the original Guardians uh, movie a couple of years ago. So uh, I'm I'm really stoked for that one. That's like my. That's gonna be my jam for sure. I don't, it's that trailer is just it makes me like I get happy goosebumps watching that trailer. Yeah, I I think I watched that trailer like three or four times. Like within the first like ten minutes it was released, I was like, I can't believe a Thor movie looks this and, good. And not only that, but like you know after seeing Chris Hemsworth in the new Ghostbusters, um, which you know is. I have feelings about that movie. I, I I guess I think for the most part I liked it more than I hated it. And and it wasn't for the people involved. It was the script that had issues. But um, but seeing him like in that comedic role, I was like, wow, Chris Hemsworth is really funny. And then we got to see yes. the um the the like Thor roommate thing that that short or the two shorts that we got out of that, and that's really funny. And like just seeing them like kind of let him like giving like a big old injection of humor to the the Thor franchise uh it's it's kind of like it's reinventing itself that that Thor that Thor character I I'm I'm just so excited I it is like I said the first thing since Guardians a few years ago that's got me real excited about about a Marvel movie 
Yeah, I've enjoyed the two Thor movies we've gotten this far. Mm-hmm. Thor's definitely been my favorite of the MCU, aside from... Uh, I mean, he's right below Guardians, because Chris Pratt. <laughs> and, um, you know, just all the talent they got involved in there. And... But this when they when they announced this, I was like, I don't even. They just showed the title card, and I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what this is about, and I'm already excited. Like, take my money yeah, now. It's Thor was the, the the first Thor movie was like a happy surprise for me because I went to go see it, and I was like, this is it's Thor. It's Zach. It's what's it? This isn't gonna be good. And I was like, it was that low expectation, and walking out really happy with, about seeing that movie. And it's Captain America is more my bag. Like I think I don't think it gets better than Winter Soldier. I think Winter Soldier is a really just tight film. Um, it's not. I wouldn't say like I think Guardians. It's hard to again. Guardians is a hard movie to compare with the rest of the MCU because it's so different. Um, and it's 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 that's a big ball of fun really uh both those movies whereas with winter soldier is not a big ball of fun it's but it's i think as like a film as a movie on its own like not thinking about about it as a comic book movie i think winter soldier is one of the best things the mcu has ever put out um it's just it's but yeah i i think this thor could actually top it even though it's going to be nothing similar it's going to be just a fun ride yeah, and they they definitely made like I think Winter Soldier is it's a great canvas to saying you know comic book movies don't have to be just comic book movies because you look at that film and you can't call it a comic book movie you have to call it a political thriller with comic book characters. Yeah. I mean, you could have literally replaced uh, you know Captain America with like a generic action star and it would have worked still. Absolutely, and I think that's that's really the the genius of of that, and not only that, but it really built on Captain America Winter or you know first first Avenger because whereas you are like really liking Captain America, I walked out of the first Captain America and I was like, this only existed for Avengers. Like that's the only reason this film was made. <laughs> You, you know, I and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, it it's and and maybe if I because I don't know if I when the last time I rewatched that film, I don't disagree with that because uh, it totally is that that movie. I mean, it's in the title, <laughs> like it exists for the Avengers and the Avengers alone. Where I think Winter Soldier exists to be its own thing, and and um, Civil War exists to be not necessarily a Captain America movie. But to be, uh, I guess, like really an Avengers movie it was a, it was a, a, probably the, one of the best Avengers movies we've had, uh, without having the the word Avengers yeah. in the title. So, um, it's yeah, I, I would not disagree with Captain America one being kind of just a a setup thing, but uh, I I think I enjoyed that one, and I, I I enjoyed that one because of the setting, because it was a period piece for the most part. Um, that's what got me about that movie, and I thought it was really well done. I don't like. I I would, I would probably say Iron Man one is is better than than First Avenger. Um, I I don't know where First Avenger ranks on my list. I would have to sit down and like really kind of rewatch all these movies to formulate my list. But I I, I don't think First Avenger shows up in my top five. I th- I think Winter Soldier does. Top five. Uh, that's it's, a, probably Guardians would like both Guardians would probably take. My, my, my top two. Okay. 
And then I would probably say Iron Man 3 is in there somewhere. Okay, interesting pick. I I liked the, I, again, going back to the whole psychology of superheroes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I liked that whole PTSD mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and the whole Mandarin twist. Everyone else was, like, angry about it. I had no idea who the Mandarin was. <laughs> yeah, I like, I'm not a... a <laughs> I'm like a fake comic book geek because I'm more so like I, 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 I really kind of only know certain things uh, history wise and everything else. I'm more I'm more of just like I'm a pop culture geek and it just so happens to be that I really get the comic book characters more than anything else. Right. Uh, That's yeah, awesome. It, it's because I'm not like I don't have like a deep rich history with comic books like a lot of people do. I enjoy reading them uh, to this day still, but I don't like go. I, I, I'm not a hardcore comic book reader. Like, like even when I was a kid, I wasn't a hardcore hardcore comic book reader. I, I was always more into like the cinematic stuff, and and I'm using that term loosely because I'm talking about the '90s cartoons, like '90s Spider-Man, '90s X-Men, '90s Batman, yes. '90s Superman. They were all my jam back in the day. Uh, and like I remember reading like I had like an X-Men book that was like just to tell t- talking about each mutant and their powers and it was all based off of the, the animated series and I think that's oddly enough I, it was based off the animated series but it's also the way I found out like you would have to cut off a mutant's head to kill them or something it was a it was a really weird I, I want to say kids book because I think I bought it at school um but yeah I mean that's how I how I experienced comic book characters was actually through media other than comic books really that's actually like that's how a lot of people do that and when you kind of so my wife and i for what we do when we go to churches like yes we're up we exist as a podcast but um you know again kind of going back to you know i don't know really guys what your listeners believe or you know we believe that uh, hope lies in jesus and when you're getting into you know talk to church crowds most people that we've come across and be like oh what do you guys do we talk about nerd stuff like we just talk about geek pop culture stuff and and they're like oh you mean like the the marvel movies and the dc movies and we're like yeah well we, we also talk about the comic books and they're like I don't know anything about the comic books. I just know TV, like like cinema. Like that's that's pretty much the the main population. And just last week on our show, we had uh, we one of our guests on there was uh, Mark Swan, who is now an independent comic creator, but most people would probably recognize his work from you know animation and uh, Space Jam and Land Before Time and American Tale. And stuff like that. And one of the stories we had talked about was uh, the, you know, the Silver Sable and Black Cat movie yeah. that we're getting. You know, there was a report coming out recently that, oh, it's going to lead up to a all-females Avengers-style film. Oh, interesting. And it's, like, I don't know how true that is. Yeah. It was just a, a rumor report. But at the same time, one of the points that was made at, in the conversation was, you know, does the, enough of the population know these characters? But you know what? I, I think we live in a world now where, like, I mean, no one knew about Iron Man, you know, t- 10, 15 years ago or however long it's been. Um, I think we live in a world where now it's just, like, I think you can get away with a lot more. And especially that, like, you can make that such an original flick that that I think you, like, the, the benefit of taking characters that no one knows but they're from like a rich history is that you can screw with that backstory as much as you want and you're not going to piss a lot of people off 
Um, like I don't, to my understanding, Guardians does not really far out follow the comic book that closely. Not at so, all. Not at and, all. And I mean, I would again. This makes this outs me as a poor comic book guy, but like I, I wouldn't change anything about those Guardians movies. Like they both made me tear up and cry. Like they're really good movies, and I don't. I understand that you knew like, like for like and, and the, someone like would call me a hypocrite because my, one of my issues with with um, Man of Steel was that it didn't really follow the character close enough and and, and I guess I am a hypocrite because because I, I I I do say that about Man of Steel and I stick by that but I don't think you need to at least not all the time I don't think you need to stick by you know so closely to the the source of material especially when no one knows who like i mean i i know i know about black cat and silver's i don't even know if i know silver sable from the 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 cartoon series but i know black cat like i I, i've read comics with uh black cat and i've i've watched the cartoon series but that's all i know about her you know so you could really mess with that origin story and i think make something pretty unique if you wanted to and i think people would see it especially if like you're gonna promote it as you know marvel or you know sony marvel or whatever they're doing over there I think I think you gotta I think you, you'll make a couple bucks off of it. Yeah, and I think that Arrow is a great example of of taking lesser known characters yeah. that haven't like that to to an audience like you don't to the general population like they're just cool characters, but to the you know the actual hardcore fans like it's it's cool to see like their their takes on those characters, but it's also kind of like frustrating at the same time because like um what is it like the uh the, i think a great example of that was uh the first season first of two seasons you introduced characters like count vertigo and brother blood and cyrus gold who was actually supposed to become uh solomon grundy mm-hmm. you have all those characters that are nothing like their comic counterparts and while it was cool to see their takes on those characters I also think it would have been cool to see the uh, the takes on the whole, um, you know, just what their comic counterparts would have been because I think that they would have thrived in those worlds. And that was my biggest complaint about this last season of Flash was the whole Savitar switch. Mm-hmm. Because if you know anything about the comics, Savitar is an occultist and like cults just are fascinating and when you have a whole army of people they create a truly menacing adversary and like plot twist it's Barry Allen from the future like I was like really like that's what you want to go with like you took a great character and destroyed him see and and that's the benefit of being like uh i know nothing about the flash like i i i am again a poor comic book but i also don't know much about the d unless your name's batman i and probably superman to a degree like i don't know much about dc because i never read anything but batman and i would say like again i guess i really only know superman because of um he's been in media for so long like DC really only had Batman and Superman for the longest time. So I've seen them in other forms of media, but, um, so I know nothing about the flash, you know, my real first experience with the flash aside from like, you know, appearances in, in, you know, justice league and justice league unlimited and whatnot was, um, 
was was the show, the CW show. So I don't like I have no idea who Savitar is really supposed to be in the comic book world. I what I think is dumb is if if and I I'm hoping this rumor isn't true. What I think is dumb is that they're saying that that Barry could be the the villain of season four, but we we literally just had Barry be the villain of season three. So. I'll think that's dumb if that comes to fruition because I I don't want to see him be the villain again. I just don't want another spacer. Yeah, no, totally like, agree with that. I I'm I'm done with that. I I love Zoom, and when they announced you know uh, that you're gonna have Doctor Alchemy, I loved that whole not only not only like having Doctor Alchemy because I just thought that his like character design looked awesome. He was a great villain. And he was voiced by Tobin Bell. So, like, every time he opened his mouth, I was like, do you want to play a game? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. And uh, so, but, like, that whole, like, twist, and I was like, man, that's done way too early. Like, you, you shouldn't introduce Savitar. Like, they should have just kept Alchemy, let Alchemy be a villain. Like, let Barry feel the mistakes of, you know, the whole Flashpoint yeah. universe. I agree. I now, I mean, I I guess looking back at season three, there there could have been, there was probably more mistakes than there than there there were triumphs. But um, I don't. I think I'm just so apologetic for that show because I love it so much. Like I I have so many blinders when it comes to that show. It is it's like it's my everything. It's it's my 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 favorite. <laughs> One of my favorite, if not favorite, show on television right now. So I have a lot of blinders when it comes to that show, and I because I'll go back and read stuff and be like, yeah, I guess I get it. I guess why people, I get why people don't like this, but like I, I yeah, I don't. I'm very apologetic to that show. Um, yeah, and I mean it's it's okay. Like you're you're passionate about that kind of stuff, and I'm I'm that way with you know like Arrow. Like I will admit, yes, the the Rosal Ghoul and the Damian Darks, like they weren't the greatest seasons, but they still had great episodes. Absolutely. Um, I think the episode with Deadshot, like I still I can watch that, and like I still tear up every time I, I watch that because that is such a great standalone uh-huh. episode, it brought so much depth to that character. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um. All right. It's um. It's getting late for us East Coast boys here. Uh, I know I'm getting a little tired, and uh, we barely talked about uh, you. I feel like like we are going to have to have you on the show again because uh, we can just talk forever about nonsense. It seems so. Um, so villains or no whoop, victims and villains uh, is your podcast. Um, and it sounds like you guys do some really great things. Uh, why don't you Thank guys you. give it? Why don't you give it the proper plugs it deserves, uh, and and whatnot? Okay. So uh, before I plug the show, I just want to let anyone know that if you guys, if you are someone you know that is listening to this right now, and is struggling with suicide, addiction, self harm, or uh, depression. Just know that hope is real. It's not something that we we've set here tonight. We've talked a lot about DC and Marvel and comics and film. And it's not just hope. Isn't just an idea that someone writes up and thinks that it's a great concept for for inspiration to to motivate a hero or to destroy a villain. No, it's it's a reality and it's within your grasp. So if you guys or someone you know is uh, struggling, they can reach out to us. We would love to connect them with a counselor or or you guys can call 1-800-273-8255 anonymously, or you can even text anonymously to 741-741 because 
every breath you take is 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 precious every time that you uh are allowed to to open your eyes and see it's it's a blessing and just know that whatever you're going through it's just a season and that life does get better but you guys can find us on facebook uh it's facebook.com slash victims and villains and uh victims and villains.net is our official site we have all of our back episodes all of our future events including speaking events conventions so on and so forth but we also have ways that you guys can also uh get involved with uh what we're doing as far as the anti-suicide stopping suicide uh revolution that we are drumming up to to start and if you guys also uh know someone that is struggling our website offers all kinds of awesome tools to connect you with counselors and so on and so forth so it's victimsandvillains.net we're also on facebook twitter instagram itunes google play uh stitcher and every tuesday and wednesday we are streaming live on core radio Nice. And when uh, is your Philadelphia podcast appearance? Podcast festival appearance? That is a great question. <laughs> off the top of my head. It's- we are going to be uh, July 15th. We start at 11 a.m. and we are at Malcolm Comics and Coffee Shop. That is such a great venue. We actually just did a show there uh, on June 4th. Uh, and it is such a great place. You guys, after talking to you, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to start listening to your show now that, now that I, uh, have, have talked to you, uh, and I don't need to be, uh, have a surprise conversation with you anymore. Um, but, but based <laughs> off our conversation today, I think that's a great place for you guys to go. It's, it's a, it's cool little, not little. I mean, have you been to Amalgam? I don't know where you live in relation to the city, but. I don't. Uh, we live we live roughly around like three hours away. We live thirty minutes west of Gettysburg, oh, wow. okay. so I've never never actually been to Philadelphia. Oh, gotcha. um, but it was just kind of one of those things that it was like, if we get it, we get it, kind of thing. Like we're just gonna enter our name in here, and if yeah. it happens, it happens. But suicide is, is as big as suicide is. Like we and as little as people know, we constantly traveling to educate people and connect people to 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 heal brokenness essentially and, and there i mean like i said that venue is real great and i think you know just as I said, based off this conversation uh i think i mean you'll at least love the environment it is such a cool i don't know how comic book stores are around you but uh the the comic book store the comic book stores near me in the south i live in bucks county so you know i'm about an hour 45 minutes to an hour north of the city uh it, they're all small tight hard to maneuver because there's so much crap in there Amalgam Comics and Coffee House is it's it's very welcoming. It's very warming. It's such a cool vibe. You know, it's uh, you'll have a lot of fun there on the fifteenth. I'll be at Tattooed Moms that weekend. I'm run, I'm helping run things there, but uh, so I'll, I'll miss your live show. But uh, for people who are uh, you know, it's not on the same time as my show, so so I can feel happy about saying go see victims and villains on july 15th at amalgam comics and coffee house uh grab a coffee sit down watch the show uh the philadelphia podcast festival is in its fifth year 
and they're doing you know nathan and tegan are doing some real special things with it you know they five years doing it 55 plus shows this year uh victims and villains are are you know it's their first year show them that that uh the philadelphia podcast fest is well worth investing their time again time in so that they come back next year because uh it's such a special city to be doing a podcast in uh, and these guys have a special message, it sounds like. And it's, uh, I'm actually really sad that I'm not going to be able to see it live. But it's, I, I can't wait to dive into your show and, and dive into um, just the, you know, uh, the, the evolution of your geekery talk to, to whatever, you know, your, your, your message of hope now. Really excited to, to, you know, become a fan. Well, thank you. We're, we're excited to, to have you. And, uh, so yeah, we're 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 super stoked, and my wife's like super excited that that it's a co- comic book shop and a coffee house in the I'm same place. You, it's so cool. It's uh, I, it it is probably the coolest, if not maybe second coolest comic book store I've been to. But it's it's it, it's so cool. You guys will love it. I'm sure you. Even if it's even if you don't love it for your show, you'll just love it as as a geek people. You'll love you'll love the environment. Um, and Ariel, who runs the store, is real super nice, uh, super chill. They're all super cool there. You will, like I said, I think uh, I think Steel Empire, the guys who uh, put on the podcast, the Quest for Magic and Steel, I think they're running sound there for you. They he made us sound like a million bucks when I did my show on June fourth. Uh, it's going to be a good time. The Philadelphia Podcast Festival is going to be uh, over the course of two weekends this year at multiple venues, Tattooed Moms, Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, Kitchen Table Gallery, I think the uh, I think Philomoca, I think Philadelphia Improv Theater, uh, you name it, it's probably happening in some way, and... Uh, everything is awesome. We'll be there July 16th at Tattooed Moms at 2 p.m. Victim of Villains, July 15th at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Make sure you check them all out. All the links to Victims and Villains will be in our show notes uh, whenever this airs, and which is in the middle of this podcast festival goodness. Uh, at least for us, we're celebrating a big time. Josh, thanks for doing the show. You definitely have to come back on uh, again. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks. Yeah, and that's that's always like I. Thanks for having me. I always love coming on and doing shows because you never know really what you're gonna expect and how conversation yeah. flows. But I, I just it just flows so natural on this show. I love it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I set out because, so, and I think I'll be airing it really soon because our 10 year anniversary or my 10 year anniversary is coming up. I recently listened back to the first interview I ever did, and it is awful. I am actually a terrible interviewer. Why I do an interview show, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I'm really good at having a conversation. So I knew when I started this show that I had to use that to my advantage. And that means I just do zero prep work, which may make me seem like a giant dick, but it's really just because I want to have a good show. So uh, thank you for appreciating that, Josh. Anytime, anytime. All right. uh, for everything is awesome you can find us on uh, Twitter at Real Awesome Pod you can find me on Twitter where I do most of my tweeting and twatting at that nerdy Kev uh, you can find us on the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network on CoreTempArts.com and of course our home site is AwesomePodcast.com for everything is awesome I'm Kev and we've been awesome thank you for listening to the Core Temp Arts Podcast Network to listen to more Core Temp Arts shows visit CoreTempArts.com